Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We've got up with Sean Verner today, MD and CEO of Syrah Resources. Uh, they are an Aussie-based company with projects in Mozambique, one of the largest uh, graphite projects in the world, actually, feeding into the global market with their products. Also, they have produced active anode materials in the US, uh, which should allow them to insert themselves into the critical minerals thematic over there, too. So we talked to uh, Sean, having caught, with, caught up with him in December to see how things are progressing. Raised some money uh, recently in January, which uh, should allow them to roll out their plans for the rest of this year. We talk about um, how they're going to approach the market. If you want our thoughts and opinions on that conversation, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com. Sean, how are you, sir? Very well, thank you, Matthew. Great to talk to you again. Yep. So we, we caught up in December, heard the story, got the business plan strategy. Yep. Met the team. Um, all good. You've been busy since then, obviously. Um, and, we'll, and we'll get into that in a second. So how are you? You were a bit ill. We went to speak last week. You were a bit ill. So was I. Yeah, getting better now. So uh, thankfully, not COVID-related, but uh, we're still uh, still in a short lockdown here in Melbourne, but uh, hopefully coming to an end. Good, 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 good. Okay, well, I'm glad you're well. Um, well, look, why don't we um, kick off that one-minute overview of the company, and then we'll um, pick it up from there. Yeah, sure thing. So as we've spoken about before, Sara has the world's largest natural graphite operation at Balama in Mozambique, capacity of 350,000 tonnes a year, 50-year uh, reserve life uh, and a very high grade of 16% uh, carbon. Uh, we started production in the back end of 2017. Um, we took a temporary suspension in two, 2020. Um, but we have recently restarted production ahead of schedule and uh, market conditions have been very supportive around that. Secondly, uh, the ma second major key plank for the company is the Bedalia downstream active anode material facility in Louisiana. Uh, fundamentally differentiated from anything else that's happening outside China at the moment with the production uh, in recent months of the first integrated active anode material. Uh, using Balama material at Vidalia, and that material is now out in the hands of potential customers uh, for testing and qualification. So pretty exciting period for us uh, in the last couple of months. Yeah, and you've raised a chunk of change since we spoke as well, beginning of the year. Yeah, the, in December last year, we, uh, we raised some additional capital. I think uh, it was a prudent move uh, just to ensure that we were well set up through the, through the restart uh, this year. We didn't know at the time exactly when that was going to be. And we had a plan uh, in front of us to continue the engineering and, and design work uh, for Vidalia and uh, wanted to make sure that we were well set for that. Okay. Well, look, let's, um, I won't sort of go over the, the whole history of this because I, I'm going to refer people back to the interview in December because, let's say, a lot of the, the, the business plan strategy and the team, et cetera, is, is laid out there and your, your, your views on the market. Um, so let's, let's focus on Balama, first of all, um, and remind people Obviously, you said what it is, but you had to stop. You've restarted. Maybe just explain what happened there, and we can maybe get into it a little bit from there. Yeah, sure thing. So, you know, the the, the start of Balama was something that was absolutely new for the industry. The size of the operation at 350,000 tonnes. At the time we entered the market, the market was somewhere between 750 and 800,000 tonnes globally. So an enormous operation. Uh, and the opaqueness of that market from a supply demand perspective 
as well as a pricing perspective meant that we were really on a learning uh, curve as we entered that market and brought product uh, to the fines market in China for battery anode materials and also the coarse flake markets. Uh, in and as uh, we ramped up through 2018, 2019, uh, we got up to uh, 17, 18,000 tonnes a month of production against a capacity of around 30,000 tonnes a month production. And we started to see the market uh, hit an imbalance, a surplus point. Uh, and that was right around the time that uh, subsidies for electric vehicles in China were reduced uh, in the second half of 2019. And unexpectedly, Chinese EV demand uh, actually fell away. So from then on, we were moderating our production start of 2020, COVID hit, of course, uh, and that necessitated uh, a temporary suspension in Balama's production um, in combination of both market conditions and COVID-related restrictions. So through 2020, we did a lot of work. We, we were very clear this wasn't... Um, you know, full care and maintenance. It was a temporary suspension. We continued to run the plant. We continued to we continued to monitor very closely those restrictions and market conditions. And as market conditions improved uh, through the back end of 2020 and into 2021, we made a restart decision in February and we were able to bring the plant back online very quickly and produce again from March. So those those market conditions uh, really did strengthen through Q4 and Q1. So what did you learn from that experience? Uh, we've got some hard-won lessons, uh, definitely. I think you know, this, this market uh, is one where China is a major player from a production and consumption perspective, and the opaque nature of that market meant that there was, uh, there was a lot to learn in terms of supply-demand dynamics, pricing dynamics, etc. cetera. Um, and we've taken those lessons. Uh, the other key difference, I guess, is that uh, SARA is a publicly listed company uh, and there's a lot of visibility around our pricing, our cost structures, our production plans, etc. back in 2018-2019. And as we restart this time, we're very focused on ensuring a balanced market and listening to customer feedback, watching pricing um, and, and bringing that production back in a gradual manner uh, to ensure that we don't upset the market balance. Yeah, because I mean, obviously from 2018 through to beginning of 2020, the share price really fell away. It was, you know, five bucks down to, you know, a buck, sort of, well, actually probably lower than you are today. So, you know, again, what, what were the lessons from, from that point in time? Because you're going to have a lot of shareholders still from that point in time, and, and we'll talk about what the future holds in a second. But what, 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 was, what was not handled as well as it could have been during that period? I think we, we uh, inherited this operations team and, uh, and management team inherited a decision around the size of plant um, that, that was very large and we had to deal with that. Uh, we had to bring it on to make sure we were producing the right product. Um, and in doing so, it took longer, uh, I guess, to, to hit the levels of recoveries, product quality, et cetera, that we uh, were targeting um, than was initially expected. And at the same time, the market had not grown uh, as quickly as uh, had been anticipated. And when we turned off uh, production in, in late 2019 and into 2020, um, electric vehicle sales globally uh, were around 2, 2.2 million units per year. Uh, as we made the decision to, to restart in February this year, um, and as we've seen over the last couple of months, we're looking at a global EV market that may well hit 5 million units this year. 
anode production and, and natural graphite consumption uh, that's more than doubled um, in that in that uh, period. So market conditions on one hand, and also making sure that we're really running the plant uh, as efficiently as we can. We've done a lot of work on cost restructuring through the period that we were out. Uh, and reduced our uh, our cost base by 20 to 25%, uh, which we believe is something that we can maintain through the restart and uh, positions us really well as we move forward. Okay, now, so let's talk about America quickly because I, I do want to come back to providing certainty to shareholders. Uh, well, yep. and, I, and I guess you guys as well. So um, you've announced that uh, Valdelia, um, you've produced your first uh, active anode material, which is good. So, yep. what actually have you done? Is it is it just for is it just for show, or where, what have you actually done? No, absolutely not. And and, and it's really uh, an important differentiation to understand. So, yeah, we've been at this now for over four years in the US. Uh, the Vidalia plant, uh, we we worked through a number of phases. So we first looked at looked at the milling and shaping of uh, graphite fines uh, into spherical graphite. We then added purification. Uh, taking the material from 95, 96% up to 99.95%, and then the coating and carbonisation of that material uh, through to an active anode material product uh, ready for use in the battery. I think what's really important to understand about Vidalia is that we've done that at an industrial scale. So there's any number of um, potential projects out there that either don't have a mine and are focusing on the downstream uh, or in their focus on the downstream, they're doing a lot of work at lab scale, which is important. Uh, but what we've learned from both Balama and from Vidalia is that you learn an enormous number of lessons as you make that transition uh, from lab and pilot scale through to industrial scale. Such as, because we talk about this all the time, people go, oh, we've, we've gone from lab to pilot to industrial slash commercial, uh, well, hopefully commercial stage. So, what are the, what are the things you learn? What are the slight changes and tweaks? Yeah, I think the you know an example for Balama, for for example, is that um, grades in concentrate, uh, particle size distributions uh, in small samples uh, can be optimized through the lab and the pilot process. And often you are looking at recirculating material through. Uh, a small number of machines to or, or phases in your plant um, to replicate what that will look like uh, at large scale. Um, I think once you you do scale up, there is a lot of learning and optimization on how to replicate those types of results um, and to achieve those sorts of things. So um, whether it be uh, recoveries, whether it be grade, whether it be flake size, particle size distribution, or once you move into the downstream, looking at things like uh, the tap density of the material and the uniformity of material in larger batches. Consistently, that's the key, to be able to do it over and over and over again. Absolutely. Okay, so I mentioned the word that commercial interchangeable with economic. I mean, what do you understand from the work that you've done in terms of your ability to make margin on this thing? I think we, we released a feasibility study for Vidalia uh, late last year. Uh, really uh, an important step for us and, and the outcome of a huge amount of work, um, not just in theory, but in the practice of operating through the Vidalia plant. 
Um, we had always set out in feasibility for Vidalia to ensure that we could have something that was competitive with China um, because for all of the differentiation that is potentially there around alternative sources of supply uh, or ESG differentiation, those things really are a ticket to the game. It is product quality and pricing uh, which will ultimately determine your position in the market. So that's been an, an enormous focus right from the start of uh, the Vidalia planning um, and trials through to the feasibility study. Right. And so given the lessons learned with regards to, you know, dependency or over-dependency on one market, obviously when, Ch- when Chinese sales fell, didn't help. The announcement by Biden this week of the you know the hundred day review, and I guess also the, um, the the president's budget that's been put forward to Senate, some quite nice topics in there. Some quite nice uh, things as far as you're concerned with regards to this kind of green revolution EV thematic, which seems to be running through it. So, are you pleased with uh, what you saw there, given you've got a US operation? Yeah, very much so. And I think the, probably the most important point around that is that there was no surprise uh, in, in what the review found. Clearly, there is a critical minerals challenge and a processing challenge uh, for the US and for Europe. And the current uh, heavy, heavy reliance, both in the cathode side and the anode side, on China for supply of battery materials. Um, in in the, uh, the graphite and anode space, um, at the moment, the global supply chain is 100% reliant on China for natural graphite precursor. Now, that's not the only type of, of graphite precursor in, in an anode, uh, but any natural graphite coming through to the anode uh, starts out in China, even if it's currently produced using Lama material from Mozambique uh, from outside, which we know is, is, is the case. So that reliance um, is something that uh, that government authorities and commercial um, players have been very worried about for some time. And I think the 100-day review showed uh, a good understanding of what, what the challenges are, what the geopolitical overlay looks like, the requirement for funding, um, and the fact that there are projects available there uh, to pursue in a short space of time that can make a fundamental difference to, uh, to localised supply. So we've seen a few other Aussie companies with projects in America trying to insert themselves into this kind of critical minerals and thematic that's going on over there. But they're sort of trotting around Capitol Hill. They're having conversations with the DOE or DOD in some cases. Um, what are you guys doing in terms of ensuring that you're part of that ecosystem? So the, the fundamental thing that we're doing is working on the right product from a facility that's actually going to deliver material into the market at, at the timing that, it, that is required. And, you know, that's been our focus in the US for some time. Uh, we may have been a bit quieter uh, than, than some other players uh, in recent times, but we're really focused on bringing the right product to market and getting that into the hands of uh, consumers, both automakers and lithium-ion battery manufacturers for testing and qualification. We have, of course, through that period also, uh, been interacting with government uh, departmental uh, funding opportunities uh, and commercial funding opportunities, but they really are tied in very, very closely with uh, the ability to get offtakes in place uh, because we've been very clear that we won't take a final investment decision around the commercial expansion uh, of the data to the board until we have that commercial underpinning for the plant blocked in. 
Beautiful. Well, that's, that's where I wanted to go because, you know, you've got to give some uh, certainty to your shareholders and to the market more broadly um, by getting these contracts, offtakes, strategic agreements, however you're going to construct this thing. So where are you with those conversations? Yeah, I'll probably take a step back to, to again, talk about learnings from Balama. So, you know, we had a very large operation that brought a lot of volume to market in a relatively concentrated market uh, and one where a few uh, major players potentially made a big difference for us. And the learnings that we had commercially from that uh, have clearly influenced our views around how we take the dahlia forward um, because the active anode material market is even more concentrated with an even more significant geopolitical overlay uh, on it. So there are a relatively small universe of potential customers uh, and those customers have requirements around cost, around quality, around ESG um, and around supply, uh, security of supply and alternative sources over the longer term. And we're working with those potential customers on each of those bases to get the appropriate offtake arrangements in place. Now, we don't need uh, a significant number of offtake arrangements in place because what we're targeting initially for Vidalia is a relatively small facility, 10,000 tonnes initial capacity, um, in a market that by the time Vidalia comes to commercial production will be somewhere around uh, 100,000 tonnes of demand. So we're, we're seeking to bring 10 to 15% of capacity into the US market, and that doesn't even take account yet of the opportunity to export into Europe. So we've been much more circumspect this time in the size of operation we bring to market and, and ensuring that that offtake and development is in place uh, and ready for the production to, to come to market. Okay, that's interesting. So you're going to show the, the, the route to market, the ability to produce and feed into the market, and you'll have a certain level of contract and certainty around your your income for the data anyway um, before you decide to expand or scale up okay that's a good Great. learning um, just coming back to, to Mozambique, obviously, we, you know, we're back, back up and running, which is which is great. Uh, so again, how do you play that? Because it's Africa and Africa is up for grabs. It seems, you know, all comers welcome. But what, what are you going to do as an Aussie company in terms of, um, you know, securing the future of that um, production? Which which ecosystems are you feeding into? Yeah, so we've, we've been really um, clear in the way that we set out to build and operate Balama right from the start was doing this uh, and running this operation at a global standard. So for us, that is critical underpinning of the success of Balama. We need to have the right environmental health and safety standards and the support of the local community. Um, and we have a high uh, proportion of local employment and strong government support in Mozambique, which we see as absolutely core. Now, as we move to, to how we play uh, the advantages of the asset in the broader market, um, it is clearly uh, a, an asset that provides and produces a product of high quality. We can differentiate carbon grade uh, and we have a fines to plate mix, which actually suits the growing importance of lithium-ion battery and anode demand compared to the, the prior industrial focus on coarse flake demand. So at this point in time, uh, we um, are selling into both the industrial markets for coarse flake and 
the fines market, primarily China, for battery anode material. And we see that over uh, the next decade, um, the uh, proportion of the market which is driven by fines um, and, and battery consumption will go from somewhere around 20% of the uh, natural graphite market globally to well over 50%, 50 to 60%. So as the market grows, uh, the driver of value will switch from the steel making and industrial markets to uh, the lithium-ion battery market and being a large, consistent, high-quality producer of the right material into that market is going to be incredibly important for the future. So you'll sell to anyone? There's no geopolitics here, it's just economics. Well, we've been really clear right from the start of production. This uh, uh, facility at Balama must sell into China and must um, maintain strong and positive relationships uh, with Chinese consumers. And, and I always find it interesting that uh, the geopolitical overlay often talks about uh, alternatives to China um, and, you know, providing a, a, a totally alternative stream. There will always be a requirement for Chinese material into Europe, into the US uh, and into the Asian markets. And the market is growing at such a pace that additional uh, supply, complementary supply, um, such as what we're building in Vidalia, uh, will be welcomed uh, in, in the US and Europe as a localised um, alternative. But, but there's, a, there's a delicate little dance here because you've got to be very careful about your language if that's the case. Because you talked about, at the beginning of this conversation, about um, a non-reliance on China right, and yep. feeding into the U.S. market. And the U.S. has been a little bit, well, slightly more aggressive for, for, for Biden uh, with regards to what it's saying about China at the moment. And obviously it's coming off the back of what uh, how Trump was playing that, that relationship. And yet you're going to sell into the Chinese market. So the, it's quite a delicate situation. So geopolitics is still part of this. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it's easy to, to make this a, a geopolitical uh, focus. Ultimately, what it's about is diversifying the supply sources. And it just so happens that at this point in time, um, the vast majority of that production comes from China. If it all came from Japan, there'd be the same level of concern about a, a single um, a single source of supply. Obviously, there's an additional element of the geopolitical overlay because it's China. Um, but, you know, we, we uh, are very focused on managing those relationships. And I would point out that this is by no means the only um, commodity where people are playing at different points in the supply chain. There's, there's any number of, um, uh, of industries, whether it be uh, copper, base metals, um, some of the elements of the steelmaking chain where people sell raw material, uh, and then compete with the processes of that raw material because they're also um, in the midstream uh, production area. So whether it's copper concentrates um, and you're then competing with someone who produces cathode material or whether it's uh, natural graphite fines and you're competing with somebody who you supply to uh, in selling anode material, we believe that the market growth here is what drives uh, a place for multiple players in the supply chain. No, I understand that. It's just a reason I wanted to talk about, or sorry, I understand from you how you're approaching it is because I've spoken to another graphite company, what name names, um, they were very clear that they did not want to compete with the Chinese and they would price accordingly. 
because they were dependent on the, the Chinese supply chain um, as, as part of their solution. So it, it's just interesting how different companies come out come out the same problem. Okay, you've raised a stack of money. Um, why do you raise so much? I think it, you know one of the learnings that we've had over the last few years is that this is an unpredictable market. I think at the end of 2019, um, the fact that Chinese electric vehicle sales fell um, was something that if you had have asked people in 2016, 17, that nobody would have predicted that. Uh, of course, people, I think, assumed that there would be some impact as uh, subsidies were, were wound back over time. Um, but that weakening of market conditions was something that just was fundamentally unexpected. Overlay COVID on that, um, and it's just an example of, of how challenging markets can be. Uh, they're challenging enough when they're when they're liquid uh, and fully transparent, but in a in an opaque market that is still developing and growing quickly. Um, we wanted to make sure that we had a funding position uh, which allowed us to to attack uh, growth through uh, any number of market scenarios. Do you think there's a kind of shorting story with your stock? Are you conscious of it? Look, we uh, think that the. What ultimately drives value here is getting the right product into the right uh, markets at the right price and generating margin. And we don't spend time uh, thinking about uh, what um, you know uh, short sellers might be thinking about the company. Ultimately, um, we have to generate margin. We have to provide value uh, to shareholders, and, and that's where our focus lies. There's never much you can do anyway if it is going on. Of course, and and ultimately it's about uh, you know where are you today, uh, what does the growth story look like, and and where is shareholder value being generated, and how are you differentiated from compute, from competitors, and that's where we're focused. Okay, so the rest of twenty twenty one, what should we be expecting from you? What are we looking for? Yeah, really two things. Uh, you know, the momentum in in market growth uh, in the EV space and anode production. Um, as that continues, we're looking to get Balama production up to 15,000 tonnes a month, about 50% capacity utilisation, and then beyond that as the market demands. And certainly everything that we're seeing at the moment um, shows a good level of support for us being able to achieve that. We're contracting very strongly in, in uh, Europe, the US, and increasingly in China. And end user demand uh, in China is, is as strong as it's been and we've seen uh, since um, the advent of, of, of our uh, participation in this market. Uh, and then secondly, of course, the continuing um, uh, development at Vidalia. Obviously, we're in uh, qualification and testing, we're in commercial discussions, uh, we're in funding discussions. And we're looking to have uh, the project ready for a final investment decision in the second half of this year. Uh, we've been very clear that that will be driven by our customer offtake position and our funding position. Uh, but certainly the way that the project's developing, uh, the way that engineering design is, is continuing and our current production from the facility that we have at Pedalia is positioning us really well. So. Market conditions are more positive, and the progress at the day looks uh, looks very looks to have very good momentum as well. Good catch up, Sean. Appreciate you coming in and telling us that story. Um, stay in touch. Let us know how you get on. Okay. Excellent. Thanks very much for the time again, Matthew. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website cruxinvestor.com, and of course our YouTube channel Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.